It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Shap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Stevens Incorporated, an independent financial services firm with the freedom to focus on what matters most. Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. We partner with you to deliver high-yield results by managing, developing, and investing in top-quality hospitality assets. And now, from the short grass, here is your host, Trey Schaap. Welcome to another edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Schaap. This week, it is part two of our sit-down with Bryce Mulder, the former PGA Tour pro, now living in Scottsdale, Arizona, with his family, his wife and his daughter, and loving life, as you are about to find out in this second part of the two parts with Bryce Mulder here on From the Short Grass. I want to tell you about our friends at Blackman Auctions. Thomas Blackman knows auctions, and he can sell your property. Go to their website, blackmanauctions.com, find one of their upcoming auctions, or if you want to sell something and you just need an auction to get it sold, you need to call Blackman Auctions. Find them on the web, blackmanauctions.com. Since 1938, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. We are back with Bryce Mulder, part two after this. Stay with us. Traveling to Fayetteville to watch a game? Forgot to book a room for the night? Beachwood Pinnacle Hotel Group has you covered. Stay where the fans stay. Staybridge Suites is just south of Baumwalker Stadium and is an all-suite hotel within walking distance of Baumwalker, Bud Walton, and Razorback Stadium. Or you could stay at the Comfort Inn and Suites with newly remodeled rooms throughout the entire property. Find them on the web at bphotels.com, Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. Strength is measured not by the number of accounts, Strength is placing value on relationships. It's having the vision and the guts to invest in growth. It's the commitment to responsibly manage your money. At Stevens, we believe that our strengths build success, not only for us, but for our clients. Stevens, member NYSE, SIPC. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. The economy is changing slowly but surely. The market is slowing down in a gradual slide. Not an emergency yet, the sky is not falling, but a change is coming. When times are good, auctions make buyers compete to buy at the highest market value. When the economy gets tough, auctions force buyers to make a purchase decision. Either way, auctions get the highest return for a seller and a strong deal for a buyer. With an experienced auction company, it's a simple process. Go to BlackmanAuctions.com for more information. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Welcome back to this edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Schapp. A couple of weeks ago, I went out to Scottsdale, Arizona to sit down with former PGA Tour pro Bryce Mulder. I've known Bryce for several years now and have followed his career from college all the way to the PGA Tour and winning on the PGA Tour as well. We're about to get into his trek on the PGA Tour and winning on the PGA Tour in part two of my sit-down interview with Bryce Mulder. I hope you will enjoy it. So, without further ado, on the tee with part two 
Here's Bryce Mulder. When did you know, Bryce, that you wanted to be a professional golfer and play on the PGA Tour? That's an interesting question because I, I now have read enough to know how important like these statements. Um, you know, if you'd asked me when I was seven or eight, I would have said I'm going to play on the PGA Tour. I don't know that things like that happen. There's some people out there just crazy talented and a sport or a business finds them, right? But most people that find themselves into that kind of you know spot had to have believed it so far prior, right? Because I think I was reading I was reading a book about, you know, and they were they were studying trying to figure out who uh, who was going to excel at something. Um, who was going to be an outlier? And it was, you know, uh, mental aptitude or intelligence. It was, you know, uh, economic, socioeconomical, you know, opportunities and status. It was it, all these things, hours of practice. And it, it was all the obvious things you, you would think it would be, but it, it wasn't that. It was when you asked somebody early on how long they were going to do that certain thing. The ones that said, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life just got materially better, quicker, and surpassed everybody else. And it was it, it's almost like there was something in there that was like, no, if I see myself, if I pick up the piano mm-hmm. today, I can't play the piano at all. But if I decided I was going to play the piano for the rest of my life, I'm going to be a lot better than if it was just like, oh, well, my, my kid's gotten into piano, and so this year I'm going to just play it with her. Every time you do it, every time you work at it, there's like a different intent in mind. And that's a really long-winded answer. But the truth was, I think I was seven or eight years old when the first time when somebody would say, what are you going to do? I'm going to play them. I'm going to play on the PJ Tour. I went to a tournament. I went to the Byron Nelson Classic with my dad. I remember seeing Greg Norman um, like over the gallery on the fifth green. I couldn't see him, but I could see his like super bleached white blonde yeah. hair at the time. I remember that weirdly. And it wasn't like at that moment I said, I'm going to do this. But it was. But I remember those, and maybe it was like that prompted me to start saying it. And then I was playing it, and then I was playing it pretty well. And it just kind of was, no, this is what I'm going to do. And so, but I... I I weirdly think that those types of beliefs and things you say, especially when you say them and you believe them for a long period of time, give you the opportunity to actually kind of surpass where others stop. And you practice with a different purpose. And, you know, like we talked about when I was I was playing in college, and even though at the time I was beating people, I was thinking about the next stage, right? Or when I was 12, I was thinking about, well, I, I already had it in my head where, okay, well, if there's... 150 guys on tour, that means if they play from the years like 25 to 50 years old, okay, then I need to be one of the best six players in the country of my age group. I had it, I remember I did the math. Didn't even think about the world. That was too big. Now it's a world game, right? So I had the math. I'm like, okay, well, I was living in Oklahoma at the time. I'm like, well, I'm the best player in Oklahoma. I know that. But I don't know if I'm one of the best players in the country. That's when I started playing national tournaments. But it was kind of like that was my thinking. Or do you have any regrets about the dedication and getting to the PGA Tour and what all comes with that? There's zero regrets in that I was able to play at a high level. I was able to play at a really high level at certain stages. I was able to struggle enough to enjoy when I got back and played some. And maybe after that, I was forever scarred and never able to really push the limits or whatever of, of what my capabilities or or maybe not maybe I just was able to enjoy it more uh for kind of the last 10 10 11 years or so where I had a, a decent run so no regrets I think I left I stopped playing at the right the perfect right time for me and that's a much deeper conversation than that question but it, it I really don't I, I had great friends around me I made great friends I kept great friends um I was able to do something that I loved right up until the point where I stopped loving it 
and then I was able to walk away. And so if anything, I would have chosen to have the most success later so that your expectations don't get to a certain spot. I think, I think one of the hardest things that I dealt with was just internally having the success and the trajectory that I had as a 20, 21, 22 or three year old, there's only one place to go from there. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's disappointing. That also gave me the confidence that I knew it was there and stuck around for five or six years when I virtually didn't beat a soul for, (laughs) you know, a stretch of of time. And then to be able to come back out and and make a a full career on the backside of that, um, I don't think happens if I didn't have the confidence that I, the talent, the ability doesn't go away. You just got to figure out how to do it again. So zero regrets. You won on the PGA Tour one time. It took a lot of extra work to win that tournament. What do you remember about that? Not just the playoff and the fact that it went six holes, but what do you remember about that week? So Court of All, which was, you know, San Jose, it was the the Fries.com Open 2011. Um, Towards the end of the year, right? It, it was. It was weird. It was after the FedEx, but it wasn't a wraparound season yet. So it wasn't part of the FedEx. I remember I had been working very hard on uh, mentally on let's not get stuck being okay with top fives, top tens. Let's not be afraid to get a little uncomfortable. And I remember the first hole missing a 20-footer for birdie and running it four feet by. And I remember being frustrated that I missed it, not worried about the next one. And that was when I knew something was different that day. But I just remember I was there for – it wasn't like, let's not mess up a good tournament. Let's, it, this, it was – I can win. That's what we're trying to do today. And – it was just different. Um, and then I made a putt of the next hole, and, and I just kind of went along. I had a really good up and down. I actually short-sided myself on an aggressive iron shot. And again, it caught myself. That's usually one that I kind of bailed to the middle of the green and nice and, you know, mm-hmm. let's not make any, you know, two right. hands, you know, hands 10 and two, right? Yep. And, and so it was just different. Um, and, I, and I hit the right shots at the right time. Um, I, I hit some pretty close, and all of a sudden then I had the lead. Um, I remember Bryony Baird was, was who I played, had the playoff hole with. And while I was an 18 fairway with a one shot lead, I heard a big roar. He chipped in on that hole, um, to go one up. Um, I was able to hit it close and close, maybe 10 or 12 feet behind the hole. Um, so I needed to make it to tie and hit a bad putt. Yeah, I pulled it and misread it, and it went. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works out. I mean, yes, and I'm happy to admit that I didn't hit a perfect putt there, right? Because you, you, there's so many shots you hit during the day or during the week or whatever that are perfect, and they don't turn out perfect. Um, so goes in, and I get into a playoff. I also remembered for the rest of my career, I, buried, I bogeyed the first two holes that week, and it, it always just reminded me, like, this is a long tournament. Right. And nobody wins or loses it on the first, you know, few holes of the, of the week. So um, I always carried that with me. And I, I tell, like, juniors and Georgia Tech golf, I'm like, just so you know, I, I bogeyed the first two holes, the one tournament that I won. So there is no script. So just, you know, keep your head down. Uh, but, yeah, so we went into a playoff, and, and it was fun because the, the, the 70th hole, they moved the tee up that day for a drivable par four. And we kept playing 17, 18. And I had I had three eagle putts on 17 during the playoff from the exact same spot. I misread. It, it literally is, was on a spine because if I played any break, 
it wouldn't break. If I played it at the hole, it would break. And everybody's yelling at me <laughs> afterward, you know, it doesn't break, blah, blah. So, um, but it took until the six extra hole, extra hole which um, I was able to make a six-footer for birdie and, and get that one win. And now, I've, now I'm glad I relished that opportunity because you don't get a whole lot of those. Uh, there's only a few guys out there that get a lot of opportunities. So um, it was a good one to... A good one to get. What was that like? What was that feeling like when you finally were able to push through? You you just don't get many chances to be truly satisfied out there. Because even if you finish third, you're so close. You fin- It's like weird. Sometimes you finish 20th and you feel more satisfied than when you finish third. Because sometimes when you finish 20th, you're like, man, I didn't have my game at all. I shot 76 on Sun on on Friday or Thursday, and then I, I somehow made the cut, and then I have a low round, and you feel like you stole, and then you've got other times where you finish tied for third, and you feel like you just gave away, you know, a, a great opportunity, and so to win, is one of the really rare times. Uh, there's 150 something guys in the field, full field's 156, so 155 guys that walk away not winning, you know, so you don't get that opportunity, and when you've got Tiger playing and you. Know, you get half the chances to win, you know, when he was in his prime. So uh, it was amazing. And now it's, it's, and now I'm able to, the difference in winning zero and one is big. The difference in winning one and two is not that big. <laughs> right. You know? But Bryce, uh, there, there will be people out there that would say, you finish third right now, you're making $1.2 million maybe. That's a lot of money. And that's part of the reason why you could get stuck kind of being okay with it you know and there's two sides to it there's there's a life job business financial well-being and then there's the here are my goals here's what I'm trying to go accomplish and they don't they're not always you know aligned perfectly but it's tough because you know no matter how much if you're making a lot of money finishing fourth all you're thinking about is three three people that beat you why didn't I win and if you're finishing 50th, you're thinking, man, I'd just love to have a top five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. It's, that's just the nature of it. It's, uh, there's, always, there's always something else. And then when you win, now your expectations are higher. Now are you trying to make it – are you in the majors, trying to make it in the major? Are you now, or now that you're in the majors, you want to make it in the Ryder Cup? Like there's just – there's always something. And so you can't outrun – what the next thing might be. It's always out there. You were saying earlier when you were at Georgia Tech that uh, your senior year, you thought there's nobody out there that could beat you. You had to play against Tiger in his prime when he probably had that feeling that if I show up with my A game, there's nobody out here. There's nobody on the planet that's going to be able to play with me. As a tour pro, did you feel that too? Uh, Yeah. I wasn't out there much when he was in his prime. I had a I had about a year to two years where I was playing some out there, but I wasn't in the, mm-hmm. the majors yet. So I didn't have a ton of crossover with him. And then when I was playing my best is when he had his injury and he was right. gone for a little bit. And so I didn't have a lot of – I played a decent amount with Phil, and Phil would do things and you'd just be like, okay, well, that's just stupid. Like you, you're not supposed to be able to do that with a golf ball. First of all, you're not supposed to try it. <laughs> right. And then you pull it off and you're like, okay, if he puts it all together, how do you how do you beat him? And then he would three weeks later and he'd win by eight. And you're like, okay, that's that's how you know. And there was there were a few guys um that I played with. I remember playing with Rory in a major 
just some of the drives he would hit where he was cutting corners and I remember hitting a five iron into the 15th hole at uh, Atlanta, um, Atlanta Athletic Club and he flipped a sand wedge because he was able to take it over this bunker that was like 310 carry and there's a million guys that do that now but he did it in such precise like there was nowhere to hit it and yet he did it and I'm like well that's not fair mm-hmm. you can't like that's not even the same golf course that we're playing right now and so you know there's certain guys um I played with with Duval when he was number one in the world and he'd taken down Tiger I think he won like 13 out of 30 events it was just a sick run and the guy just didn't he, he didn't for nine holes he didn't miss the center of the club face he didn't miss the center of the flag stick the ball wouldn't move it's almost like it couldn't, and you're just like, well, I don't even know how the guy shoots any anything worse than 62 doing this, you know. And so, right. you play with certain players when they're doing what they're really good at, and it's it's pretty fun to watch. Um, I didn't get to see Tiger in his in his prime. Uh, never played with Tiger. Um, we played in front of him, behind him, two or three times, and you know, we never never were paired together. Hmm. Interesting. Do you miss that? Yeah, I met him before the final round. He played right in front of me at Tulsa in the U.S. Open in uh, 2001. Okay, and Southern Hills. Southern Hills, and I met him on the on the practice green. Um, and I just remember the like the intensity, and, and he was about to go play. I was still 22 years old, kind of figuring things out. Probably wasn't the best time to go up to him. He's teeing off in 12 minutes, and but at this point, he was like, he was zoned in and. I remember that intensity, um, but he he already had this aura about him, and I was young enough not to again not, like not to to even kind of notice it. It was just kind of like, wow, this is how this is this is how it works. You're like, no, there's really only one tiger that creates this. And then I had a uh, years later, 2003, I qualified for a U.S. Open again, and I had a buddy that was caddying for me, and he'd been around golf a lot. Um, played professionally a little bit, uh, was caddying for me that year, and Tiger just walked past us on the putting green. And I remember he, he like, first of all, you get, like, the buzz kind of because there's people following and there's got a, gal- you know, the gallery, and it's in, you're just still in the practice area, just walking across the edge of the green. And my buddy, like, turns to me, he goes, whoa. <laughs> he goes, that was cool. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I just got hit by, like, his aura, <laughs> you know. And, and I was like, but he couldn't he'd never been around that before. And and by the way, but I'm like, I'm like, yeah, right. And he's like, Oh my gosh. Like, but it was crazy what nobody else created that. Nobody else. Now maybe, maybe back Arnie, Jack, you know, Phil's got an energy to him that you're kind of in his, you're in his world. But Tiger was just this complete other animal. And unless you've like experienced that in some way with someone you'd, and, and president Clinton was very much the same. There's just a, there's just an aura and it just there's people like that and part of it's what they've done in the office that he sat in or what Tiger's done but they also build it there's those people but I just remember the look on on my uh my buddy's face and he just about fell over because he was he was just in awe of of uh it's just the energy that someone can create but it's also everybody else around you know it's pretty funny but it, it's 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 real there was that period of time in there for 15 years where there were there were Tiger events there were non-Tiger events and and by the way it still happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he tees up, it is still different. It is. You're living in Scottsdale. 
You're a businessman now. Yeah. Enjoying life. I I am. I really am. Um, You know, we're sitting here in my office. I've got, uh, you know, some guys I I work with, and um, I love what I do on a daily basis. I really do. Uh, Lucky to work with people I like um, as we were sitting here and – the office just kind of chatting before we we started doing this. You know, just said, "Hey, if you enjoy what you do, you're not you don't have to work, right?" Yeah. And so, I'm very very fortunate to uh, to have two careers that I really enjoy. Um, I enjoy the day to day aspect of it. I stopped enjoying golf for for a little while. Unfortunately, I was able to leave, and I had some other interests. I don't mind working. I don't mind learning. And, and now I'm fully invested in in uh, in what I'm doing now. But it's I also have but just a different life. Uh, I dropped my kid off at school today. You know, we've got, you know, sh- you know, she and my wife and I are going to dinner tonight. Life is, is good. I'm, you know, coaching first, second, third or, or grade volleyball, which is <laughs> oh boy, just ridiculous. <laughs> um, but it's great just to be able to have the, the option to, That's do, awesome. to do those things. Right. So, um, Life is very good, um, very fortunate. Life, uh, you know, family's family's healthy. I like what I do, so it's uh, you know took took a little bit of time, but get to enjoy golf again. Um, good. Where where there's no yeah, it's not who I am anymore. It's just something I get to do for fun, and uh, and I love that. Bryce, I always do this with my guests on my episodes. Favorite golf course you've ever played? I don't think there's a better one day golf course than Pebble Beach. I don't think there's a better collection of golf shots. It's hard to take anything over Augusta. I haven't played there in a number of years since college. Um, so maybe maybe it's just recency bias. I love golf courses. Um, so when people say compare this, when compare this, say, okay, there's Parkland Golf Course. Um, everything's up against, you know, Augusta. Uh, Seaside, everything in my mind is up against Pebble Beach. Um, and then you've got links, and that's St. Andrews. Mm-hmm. Now, you could say there's other better links courses than St. Andrews, blah, 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 or the same thing for one of those. In my mind, the history and then just the fact that all of the golf courses are really compared against that gold standard. I, I think those are my favorite, but Pebble Beach, in my mind, has the best collection of golf shots, unique golf shots in the world. Fantasy foursome, living or deceased, three other players that you would like to play around a golf with. Um, three other, these are golfers, not just people. It could be people <laughs> that play golf. I mean, it could be like, you could say, well, I want to play another round with President Clinton. I would love to play with Tiger. Um, I would have really loved to play with Tiger in his prime. Um, collegiate Tiger and collegiate Bryce Mulder or collegiate Bryce Mulder and professional Tiger? Yeah, probably that like, you know, 2001 He's at the height of his career. I'm at the height of my confidence and just I I can take you down. Because um, a few years later, I would have known that I couldn't <laughs> if, I really, if it really was up to it, right? Right. Um, and, and maybe this is more of a uh, – to see those in their prime, right? To, to, to play with Jack Nicklaus in his, in his prime would have just been amazing. Bobby Jones – in his era, um, golf was different. Yes, um, golf was played different, uh, it, it differently. It, it was a different game. So, if you could transport yourself, you know, into that, you know, setting, uh, the first person that came to mind to me would would be Larry David. 
plays golf. I like to laugh. I like to gamble with my buddies. I don't enjoy compliments with my friends on the golf course. That's not what it's meant for. You're supposed to laugh at each other. That's that's, and if you can laugh at yourself, then you're actually able to enjoy the game, right? So, um, but you know, the, the greats to to play with, um, you know, to ever see uh, Ben Hogan actually strike a golf ball in his prime would have been would have been amazing. Just probably you don't even need to see it. You just need to hear it. Yeah, those guys are different. Just like hearing Tiger hit a golf ball, it's different. It is absolutely different. And there's guys that um, to watch Phil shape an iron shot or to do whatever he does with his wedges, it's a thing of beauty. It's art. Phil hit this like slice 60-yard bunker shot to like a tucked pin, and I had to get onto my caddy because my caddy like kind of, you know, hey, you're going to have to show me how to hit that shot, you know, and, and Phil goes, well, yeah, but then you're going to have to – actually do it um and then i gotta pull my caddy over and be like hey we're trying to beat this guy like stop you know um <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop telling him how great he is yeah. You know? yeah so um but yeah so being able to see the greats in their prime it's like us trying to explain to kids michael jordan being able to watch him be like no you, mm-hmm. you don't get it Mm-mm. you can't get it Mm-mm. highlights don't do it he was just he was just better mm-hmm. you know that would have been amazing so I want to play with, in my mind, the best players, Tiger, Jack, Bobby Jones, and um, Ben Hogan, in my mind, are the best four that I've ever played. Um, and to see them in their prime would have been amazing. Bryce, thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. it. Anytime. This is Thomas Blackman of Blackman Auctions. You all know by now I'm not a good golfer, but my son loves the game and he and I have been playing more. I've got my score down to I've quit playing a scramble on every hole. I'm using the bunker rake much less than I used to, and a lot of the time I hit my drives past the women's tee box. All of my success in golf can directly be tied to me listening to From the Short Grass. Without it, I would not be the golfer I am today. Trey, you owe me 20 bucks for that. Trey knows golf. I know auctions. Come see us at BlackmanAuctions.com. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Heading to El Dorado to check out some live music or to play Mystic Creek? Stay at the Haywood, the only boutique hotel in the middle of downtown and the Murphy Arts District. If you are spending a weekend in Hot Springs, make plans now at the Marriott Courtyard close to Lake Hamilton and Oakwan. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotel Group manages both of these fine properties and you will rest easy knowing that your every need is taken care of. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels on the web at bphotels.com. Welcome back to this edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Shap. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. Find them on the web, bphotels.com. When you need a place to stay, make sure you make it a Beachwood Pinnacle Hotel property for your next overnight stay. Matthew Allen, Blair Allen, they know how to manage hotel properties. Find them on the web, bphotels.com. I want to thank Bryce Mulder for allowing me to come out to Scottsdale, Arizona and take some time out of his busy schedule and spend some time with him and just talk golf. That is what I want this podcast to be about. We are just going to talk golf and get an insight into a former PGA Tour pro. That was some awesome content from Bryce Mulder, and I'm glad he allowed me to come out there and spend some time with him. While I was out in Arizona, I had a chance to sit down with a guest that I think you're going to like 
and that episode is coming up next week. This is one that I've been talking with for quite some time, trying to lock down a time when we could do the interview, and it just so happens I ran into this person when I was out in Scottsdale for the interview with Bryce. I ran into this person as well. I don't want to spill the beans on what it is, what's coming up in our next episode, but I'm just going to tell you, you're going to want to stay tuned to social media and you're going to want to download this podcast and make sure you get every new episode that comes out. And we're working on something coming your way pretty soon. There's going to be golf balls to be given away, clubs to be given away, all by downloading the podcast. So stay tuned to the social media. Find us on Twitter from underscore shortgrass on Twitter. Follow us there. You'll get up-to-the-date information on everything going on, and you will know exactly when the next podcast comes out. You'll be able to listen to it there. Obviously, we appreciate you listening on Buzz 2 and 103.7 The Buzz as well. Our next episode, you will not want to miss. That's all I'm at liberty to say right now. That will do it for this edition of From the Shortgrass. I hope you enjoyed our two episodes with Bryce Mulder. I certainly enjoyed sitting down with him and learning a little bit about how he asked the Secret Service, how do you know I don't have anything in my golf bag? And they responded with, we know. Yes, Bryce, they go through everything before you can play golf with the president. That was quite some story. Remember to always fix your ball mark on the green and a couple of more. And I hope to see you sometime soon from the short grass. You've been listening to From the Short Grass, a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf. This has been a presentation of the Buzz Radio Network.